everyone, it's Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021, and this is an episode of the Charge or Die podcast. As always, I am your host, Brad Eiselike, and I'm here to talk to you about uh, vehicle electrification, uh, hybrids, plug-in hybrids, infrastructure, and so much more, all of which is leading us to charge into the transportation future uh, that, uh, well, is really heading towards us uh, like a freight train. Uh, hey, uh, guys, we've got a big story to talk about this week, and that is General Motors uh, promising to have their entire vehicle fleet electrified by 2035. Uh, that is just a cycle or so away from where we are standing today in 2021. And this is huge news, not just for GM, but the rest of the American automobile industry, and is likely a sign of bigger things to come for the rest of the global vehicle industry. Uh, we'll just, you know, dive right into this news story uh, as it goes. Uh, very late in the week last week, uh, it was announced by GM in a big press release that uh, electrification is coming, and it's coming very quickly. Uh, news followed that they've got a new ad coming for the Super Bowl, uh, which I think is this this weekend, right? Uh talking about electrification, how we're going to catch up with Norway here in the U.S. when it comes to EV adoption. I think in Norway, they've, they're selling, what is it, uh, a little over 50% of new vehicle registrations this past year were electric, which is huge. I think in U.K., which is largely considered a success, I think it's somewhere around like 10 or 11. Here in the United States, I think it's like 2%. So we've got a long, long way to go. But a big company like GM saying, hey, everything we're going to sell in 15 years is going to be electric, uh, signals a lot of things. It's difficult to pick one point in which to start. Uh, first up, I guess, trucks and SUVs. Uh, we know that GM is working on uh, a new electric pickup truck, actually two. Um, we've got the Hummer EV being their big flagship for their new electric vehicle effort. Uh, there's also a new Chevy electric pickup truck, which we saw teased at CES just a few short weeks ago. And I think... GM is kind of seeing the writing on the wall here. They know Ford is developing an electric pickup truck, obviously Tesla, uh, you've got the Rivian, you've got so much more. And, you know, I think GM is seeing that as they were the largest seller of pickup trucks this past calendar year overall in terms of combined sales between uh, Chevy and GMC, uh, they know that they need to hit that target. And hitting that target is going to mean some pretty significant investments in battery technology, uh, powertrain efficiency, and charging capability, and, you know, being able to get people used to the idea that, you know, whew, a nearly 8,000-pound battery-powered electric truck uh, is going to be as good as a 10-year-old, you know, vehicle with a gasoline engine. Um, technology's getting there, and I, I think GM is making the proper investments to nudge it a little bit further. I think the big question, of course, is, you know, how much further out is Tesla compared to GM in this regard? I mean, Tesla is a software company. We know that they are drilling down on efficiency when it comes to the software implementation of the, the motors and all these other things that, you know, get them really big accolades in these EPA figures, but in the real world are, you know, pretty all right. GM has, what, street-use vehicles in large numbers, 
little over a decade's worth of battery and motor development uh, being done with, you know, the volts, uh, the bolt, um, a few other plug-in hybrids, things like that. You know, I think, I think GM, GM knows what they're doing, and I don't think they're going to fuck it up with a big truck uh, in the way that some other brands potentially could. Uh, same thing with Ford. I think Ford is in the same boat. They know they cannot mess up an electric F-150, um, and they're going to invest a shit ton of money into that product. Uh, GM doing the same kind of thing, you know, indicates that there's going to be a war on that front very soon. And as much as I think the dick-waving contest between Ford and Stellantis with the Raptor and the TRX, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, is going on, uh, I think whatever the rival to the Hummer EV and the Chevy pickup truck EV are going to be uh, is really where the meat is going to be at, because I think that's where we're going to see a lot of innovation when it comes to uh, batteries, charging, uh, and so much more. So that's kind of step one for GM. Two is going to be more affordable vehicles. Uh, we talked about it last week. There's a new Bolt EV coming uh, that will not be an Ultium project, but presumably the majority of the rest of these electric vehicles coming out in the next 15 years will be. And that will mean that GM has to suit not only Cadillac buyers with $100,000 looking to spend big, big bucks on a Celestique, they've also got to get in, you know, those buyers who are picking up you know, Chevy Sparks, Chevy Cruises, Chevrolet Trailblazers, uh, you know, Buick Encores, things like that. They've got to hit that sub $30,000 price point with a cheap uh, electric car that has, you know, usable range, is capable of faster charging, uh, and ultimately is packaged in a way that's appealing to a mass market. Uh, GM has sold, or is currently selling, I guess is a good way to say it, um, a sub, sub $5,000 electric car in China with their partner, is it Great Wall or is it SAIC? It's one of the two, I forget which one it is, but, uh, this, this $4,000 electric car is one of the best-selling EVs in China right now, and while I don't think that necessarily would be the direct conversion for what could work in the U.S., you know, I, I, I think there is... A business case for a twenty to twenty-five thousand dollar EV that GM I think has the technology to be able to do. Uh, they definitely have the margins I think to make it work, and to some extent, it seems fairly likely it's going to probably be a subcompact crossover uh, to get the batteries to fit in there the way that they need to to get the range that they want out of it. Um, but yeah, I mean switching to all electric power by 2035 means that you're going to have to build a whole run of vehicles from top to bottom uh, that are going to meet, you know, everybody's needs. And, and the strength of GM over its, you know, what are they, 100 and some odd bloody years old, 120 some odd years old now at this point, uh, GM, you know, the strength of GM is that they have these different brands with these assorted product portfolios to fit a wide number of potential buyers that also gives them a ladder to climb uh, to, you know, stay within the brand. You know, you start with a Chevy, you move up to a Buick at some point, then you get a Cadillac, uh, maybe you go back to the Corvette, you're able to get the fancy thing. I mean, it's, it's a wheelhouse and it works. And 
I, I do believe GM can pull off that low-end EV uh, in a way that nobody else has been able to do. It's just a matter of finding the economies of scale is, is, is maybe the best way to say this. Um, yeah, and, you know, I think uh, bullet point two here that we're still on, subheading A, uh, I think a lot of that's going to come out of their partnership with Honda. Um, Honda is going to be licensing the Ultium platform batteries and motors uh, for a vehicle of their own. Honda, of course, is known for making uh, affordable vehicles that work in a wide variety of countries and iterations and whatever else. And I can't imagine that Honda is going to be looking to sell a $60,000 electric pickup. And it seems fairly likely that Honda is going to do, you know, a twenty-five dollars to $30,000 uh, compact to midsize electric thing. Uh, whether that's a CRV replacement or an Accord follow-up or something that slots in between the uh, Civic and Accord and the way that the Insight does. Uh, this seems like that would be the kind of space that GM would be working with Honda in to do something for themselves. So time will tell, I suppose, there. Um, and I think, you know, section two, subheading B is, you know, how much do you really expect to get an electric car? And I think that's going to be the really interesting thing when it comes to the price ladder in this equation over the next 15 years is that there seems to be this perception that electric vehicles need to have a lot of whiz-bang gadgets inside. You know, they've got to have heated leather seats. They've got to have power windows. They've got to have all the electronic safety equipment. They've got to have cameras everywhere and all these other things and i think here in the u.s at least we have not seen it in europe and i think they have we have not seen a fully stripped electric vehicle something with you know really basic run-of-the-mill equipment something with a you know a high a high grade you know powertrain but a low spec interior and uh, outside of i guess maybe the original nissan leaf s that really hasn't existed. And so I think attempting to wrap my head around the idea of a $25,000 GM EV, uh, it, it's really becoming a question of how little do I want inside? How What is the bare minimum these days? And I guess to me, you know, cloth seats, regular HVAC controls, an 8-inch touchscreen uh, with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, seems to be the bare minimum uh some active safety features should be standard because they've been around for a few years um and i suppose i guess in this whole equation it's well it's a matter of how cheap a lot of these components can become uh in the next you know five to seven years we've seen you know luxury car features rapidly accelerate in you know being evident in cheaper and cheaper things uh, and that's largely been fueled by companies like Kia and Hyundai that are putting it in cheaper and cheaper and cheaper cars uh, and GM and everybody else has to play catch up so yeah you know maybe what we think is normal in 2021 uh, for an electric car will be normal stuff for a little basic thing in the not too distant future um, tough to say uh, the third point that I think is going to be really interesting to see and I think really kind of sets the stage for where they're headed in the next few years uh, is going to be the federal mandate that 
the federal fleet needs to be electrified uh, within the next four years. Uh, this is going to spur major investments of capital into the American electric brands uh, because the Biden administration is mandating that these vehicles be manufactured in the United States by American workers. Uh, that would mean that, you know, huge wads of cash are going to be thrown at Ford and Rivian for their electric vans, uh, for Chevrolet, or not Chevrolet, but the, uh, what is it, the Bite Drop? Am I remembering this correctly? Bright drop, bright, bright drop, that's the word. The bright drop project from GM, their uh, transportation solution, whatever these electric trucks are going to be from Ford and Chevy. Um, yeah, federal money, big contract money, uh, is going to pump sales up quite a bit for the foreseeable future uh, and probably will prop things up for a while long term. And that kind of money getting reinvested uh, into this project is really going to spur a lot of developments for probably trucks and SUVs first, regular cars after that. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a windfall, I guess is a good way to put it, for the American car brands. And, you know, I think not just in terms of, you know, batteries and motors being, you know, able to handle the kind of demands that a federal fleet would have, uh, it's going to be charging infrastructure, which goes right into section four here of this point, is that GM is really going to have to start hitting heavy on the charging infrastructure. Um, Tesla was smart in investing in their supercharger thing. Uh, it is a key selling point with every Tesla that is sold here in the United States and all around the world. Um, GM's going to have to do the same thing. You know, if they're going to be the first major American automaker to go all electric this quickly, uh, they're going to have to provide some kind of charging solution to their drivers uh, because so far, so far, broadly speaking, uh, it's not working out particularly well. Uh, GM has a partnership with EVgo. EVgo is a brand that I've seen, I think, one charger of anywhere I've been in the United States in the past year. Um, so I'm not particularly familiar with what they're doing. Uh, ChargePoint, I think, is the ubiquitous one that GM probably should have partnered with. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be GM, you know, trying to get these high-capacity fast chargers put in where, you know, the Hummer can charge with, what is it? Is it an 800-watt? Numbers on a spreadsheet are looking <laughs> crazy uh, in my brain right now. Uh, but the, these new Hummers, the new Cadillacs, are going to have these super high-capacity charge rates. And as it stands, there are a literal handful of units in the United States that can do this. And they're going to have to roll this infrastructure out across the country, in major metropolitan areas, in rural areas, in a lot of different places. And, you know, GM being the car company that they are, they're going to have to foot the bill for some of this. And if they don't, it's kind of going to be their fault if things fall flat on their face for the first few years of this project. So hopefully GM is monitoring what's going on. Hopefully GM is aware that, you know, charging infrastructure does need to come in uh, to get people to make the right choice, especially if they don't own a home. You know, you can't charge an apartment complex. That's what I face with my Volt. Um, and the public charging infrastructure in many places is not great. It's unsafe. It's poorly lit. It's, it's remote compared to other normal parking spaces. Uh, that's not optimal either. So yeah, GM's got a lot of work cut out for them. And I think saying that this is a goal, not a guarantee is, you know, covering your asses a little bit, but, 
Uh, in the end, you know, I think GM probably will get pretty damn close to this target in the next 15 years. I mean, we're seeing interest in electric vehicles rise quite a bit. Uh, as prices continue to come down, I think they're going to get much more approachable from much larger number of people. Uh, you know, where $40,000, I think, feels like the norm today in 2021 for a new electric car. Uh, I think we're only a few short years and like, I'm talking like three to where less than 30, I think is going to become the norm. And when we get down into 20 for, you know, the cheapest of entry points, uh, that's going to be where, you know, a lot of people are able to buy in and that's, that's what we want going forward. So EVs, hooray, they're a thing. Uh, the only other real news today to talk about is, of course, like I mentioned, uh, the Raptor that's coming out later this year. Uh, Ford announced the all-new 2021 Ford Raptor, which is, of course, based on the all-new F-150 that is just releasing as we speak. Uh, if you're familiar at all with the outgoing second-generation Raptor, you're probably not going to be that surprised by what the new one is. Uh, it's based on the new F-150, like I said. It's got a 3.5-liter twin-turbocharged V6, EcoBoost as it's well-known. Um, it's a revised version of the current unit making, quote-unquote, more power. Uh, I think the outgoing one has around 450, 460-ish horsepower. Fair bet, I would assume, is that we're going to get much closer to, uh, to 500 based on, you know, what was in the 4GT, where the Rebel TRX seems to be. Um, I think Ford doesn't want to lose too much ground in that overall battle. Uh, so getting closer to 500 just seems much more likely. Uh, Ford is also tweaking some different stuff with the engine to make it sound more like a V8. That's been the big complaint from a lot of people is that, oh, this EcoBoost V6 isn't tough enough. It doesn't sound cool. It sounds like a pussy compared to everybody else out there on the sand. I don't know why this guy sounds like Tony Tony uh, Soprano, but, you know, he'd probably complain about this kind of stuff too. Um, yeah, the, the Ford has basically re-engineered the exhaust on the Raptor uh, with what they're calling like this like trombone style exhaust. Uh, basically, they're giving it equal length headers and exhaust uh, outlets that give it a much more throaty sound and there's some different valves in there that let it tweak to be quieter or much louder depending on what you're doing um, you know so that your inner uh, toxic masculinity can flow easily uh, when it needs to with this kind of truck uh, chassis upgrades you know generally speaking with the new f-150 are there uh, it's getting some pretty major suspension upgrades including coil rear shocks uh, a larger pan hard bar uh, these tuned i think they're bilstein is the company that maybe it's not bilstein sorry it's fox shocks with the raptor uh, retuned fox shocks that are more heat resistant uh, for off-roading um, a lot of suspension travel. Ford's going to give it a 37-inch tire option, which I think is the biggest on sale in the United States right now. Um, yeah, it's a big off-roader. Uh, inside, it's an F-150. If you've seen any photos of an up-trim uh, F-150, you'll you'll definitely recognize it as that. Uh, they are going to offer Recaro seats as an option on the Raptor, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but really, you know, it's it's not an earth-shattering change to the outgoing model, and I think that's maybe why uh, the car Twitter discourse around the Raptor hasn't been particularly 
hateful in the way that it was with the TRX just a few short weeks and months ago. Um, the Raptor's largely a known quantity, and all that being said, you know, the Raptor doesn't get 11 miles to the gallon, uh, and the Raptor also is, you know, fairly usable depending on what you're doing it's able to tow 8200 pounds in this new configuration uh the payload capacity if i remember right isn't particularly great on the raptor because of the soft suspension but in general for being a sport lifestyle truck uh it is pretty capable i think in the broadest of sense and this is the same thing i said about the trx i just don't care like i i'm admittedly i am not the target market for these trucks um, I broadly, I guess, think they're kind of cool in an interesting way that they can do so many crazy and different things. But in the end, you know, they're just, eh, it's, it's, these are 70 plus thousand dollar trucks that can't do as much as a $40,000 version. They're really not that much faster. Well, I guess the TRX is, but the Raptor isn't, um, save your money and just buy a normal truck, I guess. I don't know. I, I was thinking about it when I was at work today and it was just like, you know, for somewhere in the low $30,000 range, I could get a base trim Ford Bronco with a stick with a removable roof and just kind of tool around in it. And yeah, it doesn't have a locking rear differential, still has four wheel drive. It'll go off road in places that most other vehicles can't. And there's something more pleasurable about that in the broadest of sense in my mind that I could take this Bronco on a nice off-road trail, maybe do a little bit of, you know, rocky stuff, but nothing too crazy. I could have the top down, the windows down. I could take the doors off, you know, just really enjoy nature, have a nice quiet time versus these things that are loud and powerful and bashing around and jumping sand dunes or whatever else. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't appeal to me, and, you know, I'll talk about it honestly, you know, when I can. I, I The engineering aspects of both the TRX and the Raptor is very cool and very interesting, and, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see some of this technology roll out into EV trucks in particular, because, of course, like I said, all of these things are going to be electric within the next 15 years, more than likely, and the idea of an electric Raptor I find very appealing, uh, but that's largely what the electric Hummer is going to be, and I don't know, it, 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 it's just very, very strange. Uh, as much as I complain about how we need to have more practical $25,000 EVs, you know, a $70,000, dollars electric thing that can go blasting through the desert uh and <laughs> you know do these terrible things is still kind of cool too so i'm a hypocrite who isn't these days uh but whatever ah <sighs> yeah so trying to think there was one other car oh yes going back to gm for a minute hey remember the cadillac ct6v with its black wing uh 5.5 liter twin turbo v8 that was a pretty cool car right well, it turns out, you know, GM didn't want to build the Gamma chassis anymore. They didn't want to build the hand-constructed Blackwing V8 anymore. Uh, cars just aren't selling, you know. It's just, it's not worth the investment. Nobody's buying them, you know. Why continue to do this? And, oh, by the way, we're coming out with two brand-new high-performance uh, Cadillac sedans that seemingly no one will buy for no particular reason. All that out of the way, I really, really like 
the new CT4V Blackwing and the CT5V Blackwing. Uh, these are cool cars based on really good chassis that are going to be a lot of fun to drive. They're going to be very quick. They look nice. Like, they're going to be a relative performance bargain compared to, you know, a lot of other German high-performance cars out there. But, man, what a weird swan song for Cadillac's high-performance stuff like it's just i don't know we're, we just seem to be at this strange tipping point for automobiles and to have gm announce last week that hey we're going all ev in the next 15 years and then cadillac goes we're gonna do f fucking burnouts with the 6.2 liter supercharged v8 with a stick bah, baby it it just seems weird pro seems like very strange programming and i i it seems like gm is pretty openly admitting that these two cars are the swan songs uh for high performance gasoline engines at cadillac um you know the c8 is largely being touted as a swan song for high performance gasoline engines cars technologies at chevrolet um yeah, it's just a weird time, man. Or like we're we're just in a weird spot when it comes to new cars and trucks and SUVs. And uh, I think with the news this month, you know about the Bolt, the Bolt EV, the the Ionic Five, uh, whatever electronic Genesises are coming out, um, and so much more. Yeah, it, it it's a weird thing. So I don't know what point I'm making there, but. I guess stay tuned for other car news and other things. Well, anyway, guys, uh, all of that out of the way, uh, we post this podcast on a wide variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so much more. So if you like what you hear, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, something I said, tickle your fancy. You want to tell someone else sharing is cool. We, we, we've learned to do that since we were little kids and, you know, sharing's great. So you could do that as well. Uh, if you want to follow along with me, uh, you can do so at twitter.com slash Iceman. That's Y-S-S-M-A-N. Uh, and you can uh, follow along with episodes of this show at anchor.fm slash Charger Die. I almost said salvage title. Wow. Whew. I got to make sure I keep an eye out for that. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, as news continues to roll out through the rest of this week, uh, I'm sure that we will talk about electric things. Uh, we've got a busy week Uh next week because is next week valentine's day uh that's i guess two weeks uh, calendars who are they how do they work what do they know let's find out uh yeah a lot of announcements coming up in the next uh couple of days and weeks uh when it comes to electrification so you know where to find some of this news when it comes out uh anyway guys i hope you have a great rest of your week have a safe weekend and we will see you on the next episode of the charge or die podcast See you then.